Welcome to Humanly, the podcast searching for the truth about health and wellness. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Humanly. Daniel Reuters here. Today, I'm joined by Beverly Unit. Beverly is Australia's number one mindset and motivation expert. Hooray. Yes. <laughs> Beverly, you're an NLP practitioner. I'm an NLP trainer. NLP yeah. trainer. Mm, I and certify a, the practitioners, yeah. And you also certify practitioners. You're mm. a, a master practitioner of hypnotherapy, which is really interesting because I'm also uh, doing a hypnotherapy course at the moment and about to finish that. So I'll be really interested to talk to you about aspects of hypnotherapy, uh, your personal development coach, and you've got a website, BU Success Coaching. And welcome to the show. Really excited to have you here. Uh, thank you, Daniel. It's an, it's an absolute honour to join you and uh, I really appreciate the work that you've been doing, spreading education in wellness and well-being out to people and um, I share your passion. A different, tool, a different tool and a resource I use, but by jingo, I share your passion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. It's always good to speak to a like-minded practitioner. Yeah. Bev, you have your website, BU Success Coaching, and you talk about mindovation and how you help people with overcoming their um, psychological blocks and these kinds of things, which I think are really important when it comes to even like clinicians in general, helping their clients overcome issues around self-sabotage and non-compliance, but also just for, for the general public as well. There may be things in their life which they're struggling with um, mm -hmm. that are keeping them from achieving their optimal potential. And this is one of the reasons why I've wanted to study hypnotherapy is to help people in that avenue. So I'm really interested to hear a little bit about your story and um, how you got to where you are today. And yeah, talk to us a little bit about Mindovation and what that's all about. Oh, thank you, Daniel. Well, Mindovation is my quirky word for mindset and motivation. So I thought, oh, that's too long. So, so I shortened it to Mindovation. But, um, my, um, and I learned my lesson a long time ago when I started my business. Um, oh, well, you know, a long time ago, I had um, my business is called BU. And I thought, oh, people won't know what that is. And BU is a play on my initials, but it's also a play on, you know, Beverly Unit, BU. But it's also a play on um, integrity. Like it's genuine. I I'm really interested in people being you. So, of course, a long time ago, I thought, oh, if I just have bu.com.au when I started this, people won't know what it is. So I added the word success coaching and now I'm like, oh, what did I do that for? So a lesson in business, you know, keep it short. So mindset and motivation suddenly became mindovation. I went, oh, shorten that down. <laughs> I love it. But, yeah. But my, my journey to, um, to where I am at the moment, this lily pad landing pad that I, I land on in life, I, I think um, for me, it's about uh, always growing yourself. And as you know, commonly heard phrase, be a lifelong learner. I love to be a lifelong learner and applier. I've I've had the habit of always being really curious about how I can, what do I know that can help others? How can I help other people? And oh, years ago, uh, in my well, I'm in my 60s these days, and I don't mind telling people that's okay. But when I was uh, in my 20s and my 30s, uh, I worked in retail. And um, as I moved into my um, 40s, I was in uh, a call center for electricity. All, all along my journey of 
just working, paying the bills, paying the mortgage, getting on with life. Any job I had, I found that I moved into leadership positions quite naturally. People would say, Bev, can you show someone how to do this? Can you teach this? And, oh, can you run this? Oh, can you write the program for this? Oh, can you do this? And I found myself stepping up quite a lot. The old saying, say yes, work out how. But to me it was because the bigger picture's in mind, like, you know, this kind of lights me up, being able to help people get somewhere, do something, do something even better. And so um, over the course of my um, decades in the working world, uh, I came to a position in my 40s where I was working for myself uh, in, a, in an industry where you could grow teams and help people um, with all sorts of um, skills. But it was interesting because I found that you could teach a skill to the same sort of people, like the whole room of people, and some would use it and some wouldn't. So what's the difference there? And then I learned, and it's not, it's not my um, original words, but I've kept it ever since, it's, 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 it's about have. When you think about the word have, some people say, when I have one lotto, then I'll be able to do X, Y, Z. Or when I have more customers, then I'll be able to do ABC. Or when I have my, you know, my nutritional business set up or my clinician or my clinic set up, then I'll be able to do X, Y, Z. And my thoughts when I learned, heard, heard about that was, yeah, but how is it you don't have it? So I like to kind of go a little bit quirky with my thinking and I get a bit creative with, well, if somebody can have something, how is it you don't have it? And there's a formula to have. It's not just wishing. There's some skills to it. There's something you need to do and learn for yourself if you don't do it so you get to do it, to have it. But there's something even more that drives it and it's the B. So the formula to having is B plus do equals have. Do are your skills. That's the 20% of things. But the B, that's your, that's your beliefs. That's your behaviour that's driven from your beliefs. And if you think about it like a little set of carriages, like you've haves at the end and, you know, the do is pushing up so that you get to have whatever it is you want to have, the big 80% of it is your beliefs. It will either propel you to do what you've learned or it will take you away from doing and you won't do, therefore you won't ever have. So for me, there was always a missing link in um, how is it that you can teach skills as a trainer, which was the role I had. Uh, how is it you can teach skills but not necessarily get everybody on, you know, with the traction and running with it? Because at some level there'll be people, uh, like I consider myself, that I can very much take something and if, I feel like it's going to help my outcome. I can run with it and do it. And there'll be others who procrastinate or they'll do overwhelm or, dare I say, other avoidance habits that they've, um, they've taught themselves over the years because, folks, if you're listening to this and you're a master of procrastination or you have a bachelor in it or something, you weren't born with it. You learnt it. And that's learnt behaviour, and which means you can unlearn it and replace it. But back to the back to my belief thing, it was it was um, it was really clear to me that there was a missing link in my skills. And at the time, I had a very good fortune 
that a CEO I worked with, uh, she told me about a diploma of coaching and that diploma of coaching opened up my eyes, a little component of it opened up my eyes to the world of neuro-linguistic programming mm. in LP. And that became the missing link for me. I just went, oh, there it is. Because what I found that was, was a big, wide, deep toolbox, which came from academic research back in the 70s at the um, University of California in Santa Cruz, USA, where um, a group of people, even though Richard Bandler and John Grinder are credited with it, a group of people contributed to this massive toolbox where they've studied, dissected and broken down the exceptional people in the industry, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, the psychotherapists, who are not just ordinary, they're better than ordinary. Because in any industry, Daniel, as you would know with all the people you know, you come across in your world or anyone listening to this would know, in any industry you can have good or you can have outstanding. So for the NLP toolbox to be created, they went looking for the outstanding, the people who got great results and how do they do it. And they broke down and created these tools, if you like, and strategies and techniques. And I just thought, I looked at that and thought, oh, I need to know that. I need to know that because if that helps people with their thinking, with their beliefs, then that will propel the skills and then that will propel them to be able to have it. So I, I confess I got a little bit excited <laughs> and, uh, as, I go, as I go on the journey of um, discovering NLP. I loved it so much that um, I, I believe one of my natural skills is I can simplify the complicated and where NLP has come from a study of acad academic kind of input with big, long words and all sorts of things in it, I like to look at something and go, okay, how can we use that? How can we teach that in such a way that somebody embraces it and applies it to get what it is they want to have for themselves? Or um, if, if they're a person like a... Um, um, a health practitioner or an allied health practitioner, then how can they how can they teach others so that when they put someone on a path of of here's what you need to do, how can we take care of the mindset of that client to be able to help them to put the do into action so that they have the well-being and the wellness that they want or whatever it may be. So my fascination my fascination in um, NLP, Daniel, uh, meant that I went on and became a master practitioner and I thought, oh, I, I, I'm just drawn to teaching this. So in the world of uh, people who haven't heard of NLP, neuro is about the neurology right through our body. Linguistic is for our language and we have verbal language and we have nonverbal language, you know, such as if someone does that to you, that's language of a sort. Um, and programming um, if, uh, if you're watching a, a video here, just do this for yourself, folks. Shake your hands out in front of you, like, you know, put your hands out. Fold your arms. That's comfy. Now shake your hands out in front and fold them back the way you never fold them. And for some people it's like, oh, hang on, that feels really uncomfortable. That's right, because the programming that we have is that's how I always fold my arms. That's how I always do something. 
And when you go to change it, it feels uncomfortable or awkward until you've done it enough times. So um, NLP, and you could think of you know, the, the programs we've created for ourselves, the behaviours we've learnt for ourselves, if they're good, we'll do more of them. But if they're not so good and they're interrupting um, the ability to have what it is you desire to create in your world, then behaviour's learnt. You can unlearn it so, and replace it with something new. So my great love these days is educating parents, other educators, teachers, um, health professionals, allied health professionals with or you know any industry I have I have a lot of people from different industries very wide broad base they come and learn NLP with me and I certify in practitioner if that's what you want or I just give you some basics if that's what you want but to me it's like well what do you what is it you want it for and how do you want to use it is it for your clients well you're going to need to know this because here's a little bit of a mini toolbox that when a person comes to a grinding halt they don't mean to. People do the best they can with what they know. You know, the majority of people in this world are good-hearted, decent people, but stories we tell ourselves that get us in a stuck state. And when somebody is stuck, how do you unstuck them, which I trust is a word it is now. So, yeah. so that's my great love of teaching people um, how to unstuck either self or their client. Yeah, and that's what I see quite often in clinical practice is people in that sort of stuck mentality and even though they know the things that they're doing with their diet and lifestyle for example they know that they're not conducive to good health they'll continue to do the things that are getting them to that state of ill health they'll get access to the information from say someone like me or a practitioner saying these are the things that you need to do to get better yet they won't do them it's like they're self-sabotaging themselves or They'll sit there and think about doing it. They'll procrastinate, like you said earlier on. So what gets someone to that state? Why do we have people who procrastinate more or sabotage themselves more than others? Well, sometimes it's learned behaviour. So um, there can be a whole lot of things that may or may not contribute to it. For the procrastinator, the person who's a procrastinator, well, that's a learned behaviour and it's pretty well mastered by about a good 35% of the population mm. if you're into behaviour profiling. So, you know, that's the, like, real good thing where they crave certainty. The trouble with craving certainty is the growth is only ever in uncertainty. So procrastination becomes a habit that they've learnt. And where have they learnt it? Well, I'd hazard a guess that, you know, somewhere between zero and seven, they're our imprint years. And I'm not looking to live in the past. I'm not looking to say to people, let's go and deal with the past. Um, I acknowledge the past. I respect the past. But the facts are you can't change a crappy childhood. Mm. You can't change um, an environment that you grew up in which wasn't ideal. But could you work on yourself now to look at it and view it so it doesn't impact you now? So procrastination is a learnt behaviour. So between zero and seven, our imprint years, the first time we, we suckle, we swallow, we say a word, we recognise something, we smile, we learn to scratch, we learn so much. But we also, as little tackers, we don't have the language 
to observe an adult's behaviour and go, oh, that's not appropriate. Imagine a three-year-old saying to a parent, um, uh, hey, mum, dad, can you pull your head in and like behave slightly different? Because when I grow up, I'm going to have some adult issues. Like a parent would look at the three-year-old and go, what planet did this alien drop from? <laughs> that come out of the you know, mouth of a three-year-old. So, so all we know when we observe behaviour that an adult is doing as a little one, all we know is, ouch, it didn't feel right. It just feels like an ouch. And yet we're observing and we're learning. We're modelling when we're little. We, you know, zero to seven imprint years, we learn the language that our parents have about, oh, you can't do that or because, you know, money doesn't grow on trees or, um, you know, be careful because all the because things come out uh, for for some children and not for others. It, it's and, and with great care and respect, I do want to say, as parents, we do the best we can with what we know at the time. And I personally um, promote that every generation should get better as parenting because the idea is take the best of what your parents did and leave out the bits you didn't like and find a better way to do it. So with great care and love for our upbringings, our parents do the best they can with what they know at the time. So if you've learnt procrastination, it's possibly you could look at one of your parents or, or a significant adult in your life and go, oh, my gosh, that's a learnt behaviour. Mm. But, but here's, here's the thing, Daniel, here's what I love. The minute you can acknowledge something, you've got awareness. And the next thing is make a decision. Well, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to do nothing or are you going to do something to change it? And the beauty about procrastination, it's a stuck state that you've learned and in many cases you're trying to get certainty. And yet how? what's another way to kind of get through procrastination? Well, you know, there's 25 different things I could teach you about procrastination, but we won't because we'll talk for a long time. <laughs> but, but here's a little tip for anyone who's, who's doing procrastination. Start with the end in mind. What is it that you're procrastinating on? Like uh, the procrastination often will be, oh, will I do that or will I do that? I'm talking about a fork in the road and it could be for something simple or it could be something for big. But just take a moment to start with the end in mind. What's the outcome I want from today or the week or the month? You can use this little formula uh, that I'm about to give you in short one-hour blocks, you can do it in a day, you can do it in a week, a month, a year, a decade. Start with the end in mind. Jump to the end. What's the outcome that I want? And how will I know when I've got it? What does it look like? What will I hear others say? What will it feel like? What will I say to myself? Like paint the picture, start with the end in mind. Come back to the beginning and work out your first three steps. And your first three steps... You might not know because you might be thinking, oh, yeah, good one, because if, you know, if I knew my first three steps, I'd do them. Well, here's something magical about your brain. If you ask your brain a question, the answer is going to come to you. It's your brain. So, you know, command it and talk to it like it's going to serve you well. So, you know, so you could say, what are my first three steps? Hmm, it will come to me any second now. And you work out your first three steps and you work out 
the middle landing pad in the middle or a couple of middle, middle landing pads if it's a long period of time. So I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody is procrastinating about whether or not um, they want to um, they've come and, they've come and saw, seen a naturopath, for example, about, you know, getting their body in healthy condition and because they want to travel somewhere and they want to do something, there's some big dream. Um, but they really need to get some, um, they need, need to get to the gym, for example. And yet, logically, they know that's a good idea. They're taking care of their health and their well-being and they're getting themselves ship-shaped for a particular event or something they want to do. And then the old brain kicks in, the stories kick in, and now they're procrastinating and they're, you know, they're finding something else to do instead of going to do the plan that was created in, in conjunction with their health professional or their allied health professional. Okay. So what if we teach them one little technique like this? In that moment, you've got to interrupt the thought process because it's just like folding your arms. It's the way you've always done it. And does it feel awkward to change it? Yes, because we don't live in the matrix. We don't get to say, would you like a red pill or a blue pill, Nemo? It's, we don't do that. It's life. And life is it feels awkward to change something that you've rehearsed for so many decades. Mm -hmm. But if you've got the awareness, you get to make a decision. And so procrastination with um, going for an exercise regime could be, hang on a second, what's that thing that my, uh, my um, naturopath or my health professional taught me? That's right, start with the end in mind. Okay, for what purpose do I want to go to the gym? Oh, it's about um, getting great for an event or it's, it's about getting excellent for you know a healthy adventure around the world I'm about to go and do or whatever it may be uh, insert your own goal you know you know in this conversation but start with the end in mind how will I know that I've got that thing that I want okay I'm going to see myself doing this I'm going to hear, hear this I'm going to feel this and I'll say this to myself all right so what are my first three steps to get to the gym oh, I don't know I'll ask my brain um, you know it'll come to me any moment now and then you go and do something and the next minute you go, oh, okay, I need to set my uh, structure into my day that between eight and nine, that's my gift to myself, that's my time uh, and I need to do it then. I need to have a structure. I need to have a, a plan of exercises. Is it going to be a gym? Is it going to be in the backyard or down the park? And do I need an accountability buddy? Yes, I do. I need someone to exercise with. So there's my first three steps. I'm going to find someone to exercise with. I'm going to get a, um, a um, an exercise PT in the park or an exercise set of exercises ready to do. And then I'm going to um, always do it at eight o'clock. And that's my structure. How and where's my middle middle part? Well, my middle part might be. Um, just for this week, at the end of this week, I want to have been able to do it at least three times. And my landing pad will be able to say, well, I've done it Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Now, that's one example to play with it. It can be for anything in life. Start with the end in mind, come back to the beginning, put some landing pads on it. What date do I want to have seen something change? <coughs> Excuse me, coughing. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's one little technique about procrastination. But procrastination is about certainty and um, folks embracing uncertainty, embracing variety, embracing the spice of life. 
that's where your growth is. That's where you grow. Do you think it's because people feel safe and it's scary or there's an element of fear there that if they do something new and there's that uncertainty that, oh, if I do something that I haven't done a million times before, something bad might happen to me. So therefore, I'm just going to stay in that safe space and keep doing what I've always done. I don't want to venture into the unknown. Well, that's right. And so and so people can say all the stories in the world to themselves about the unknown and where you need to have that little um, thing you want to head for, have the clarity around that for a start because otherwise the brain bully kicks in. And here's another little technique I'd love to share with people. Um, the words brain bully I, um, I picked up all dear. More than a decade ago, I heard a story about a fabulous school in South Australia, and I'm sorry I don't know the name of the school or the teachers. It was a a regular state public school. And I heard a a lady, a friend of mine, Marissa, hi, Marissa, uh, said to me, um, this is what happened at her school. Some little kids had said uh, something along the lines of, I'm no good at spelling, and the teachers had said, that's your brain bully, tell it to go away. And that just stuck with me. I just thought that is brilliant. What mm. wonderful, wonderful comeback, but there's something missing. There's something missing. And when I, um, and I, I just parked it. And then when, when in um, years to come I discovered NLP and I've used it ever since. Now that I'm, in, I, you know, educated myself in strategic psychotherapy, I've educated myself in clinical hypnotherapy, and I still teach this method. So I want to give it to some people today who, who find it useful. The first step is to stop the brain bully, no doubt about it. So put the stop sign up and uh, you can use the words, thank you, I finish with you. But then we need to replace the behaviour So we need to command our brain with a new behaviour. And I like to recommend the words um, I notice I'm getting better at because that gives you time to think of something positive. So let me give you a real-life example. Let's say say you're having a bit of a beat yourself up self-talk day and you're going oh I'm so stupid I'm so stupid right let's have you having one of those moments well guess what you've commanded to your brain because the RAS reticulator activating system which um at your in your brain stem there um has its job to translate it's the me it's the mediator translator between conscious and unconscious because consciously you and I speak we use our senses and our physicality and we communicate but unconsciously our brain works in symbols our unconscious brain works in symbols so we've got two different languages here a bit like Australian and Greek you've got to have a translator if you don't speak both languages or English and Greek if you like to call it English (coughs) excuse me and so um, the RAS, if you, if, you, if, you, if you say something to yourself disempowering, like, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm so stupid, the RAS in effect goes, she wants to do stupid today. And the brain is now listening. The amygdala goes, oh, okay then. All right, hippocampus, do we have any memories of this, of when this has happened before? Through the filing cabinet, oh, yeah, 24th of June, she did stupid real good. 4th of April, she did it good. 31st of March, she was a real good one at it. 
okay, release it. That's what she wants. And so right through your body, you've fired the neurology for how stupid feels. You've changed your filters to only observe and bring in stupid. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So here's how to use, just like those little kids said, I'm no good at spelling. They're making themselves no good at spelling. And the wonderful teacher said, that's your brain bully. So I've taken that brain bully language because the second step was missing. So the first step, if you find yourself disempowering language to yourself, like I'm a procrastinator, Mm. really, be careful what comes after I am or I'm so stupid or I'm this or I'm doing this, like something disempowering. Thank you, I finished with you. I notice I'm getting better at strategic thinking time. I notice I'm getting better at communicating with my teenagers today or I notice I'm getting better at inspiring my team today or I notice I'm getting better at helping my clients today or whatever it is that you need to language to do it better. The power of language Language leaves clues, folks, like really take care of how you speak to yourself. So that brain pulley technique moves your brain to a brain champion. The more you do it, the more you pick yourself up, the more you make a difference going forward. Is hypnotherapy um, a useful technique because you can break those sort of subconscious networks in your brain and learn behaviours? <laughs> relatively quickly and then you can use the nlp to reinforce the positive once you've done the hypnotherapy like how do you sort of combine the nlp and the hypnotherapy or do you use them separately i'm interested to hear your perspective on that yeah i I don't actually use them separately so from a part of um i don't always use hypnotherapy hypnosis because hypnosis of course is i I want when i'm working one-on-one with people um I I want my clients, they've come for a problem. They've come for uh, some sort of stuck state, whatever it is, for them, and they've got a problem. And how is it they've got a problem? Is it their skills or is it their thinking or is it both? And so through strategic coaching, through strategic psychotherapy questions, I'm discovering what the skills gap is because basically a problem is a skills gap. But it can also be a thinking gap, hmm? a skills. And like how is it that you have the problem? What's the do and what's the be that makes the problem? How is it you don't have the problem? What's the do and the be that replaces the solution? How is it you have a solution? So from a, um, for hypnosis, hypnosis is a tool to actually bypass the critical faculty, if you like, the logical space of us because in that relaxed state, we can, or you can, the client can talk faster to the unconscious and retrain the programming, if you like. It just allows you to have that space to um, gift yourself a time to apply and take in what you've learned. So, excuse me, I'm just going to cough. It's okay. (coughs) In my throat. So just, so prior to a hypnosis, Um, I'm finding out what a problem is that somebody's stuck with. It could be anxiety, it could be phobia, it could be PTSD, it could be stress, it could be worry, it could be a whole myriad of things. And I'll ask some questions to discover the skills gap. 
with my thinking is how is it they have this problem? Now, depending on your skill set as a therapist or as an allied health professional or as a health professional, now that you've found the problem, you now address it with your skills that you have, whether that's nutrition advice or whether that's uh, chiropractic advice or whether that's a GP rigor advice or naturopathy full out, you know, blood tests, all sorts of things, saliva tests and checking things. You, you go through your technique of what you know in your skill set that helps the client in front of you. And then in my world, I neuroeducate. So there's neuroeducation for me. So when I've found the gap, I'm going to educate something. Let's and, and then and then through the process of hypnosis, if if that person in front of me would like the hypnosis, then that now reinforces a faster track of adopting a new way, a new way of getting what it is that they choose to have. They'll have the be and the do moving a lot faster than they would without the hypnosis. So to me, I think hypnosis is a beautiful tool for the client who has that trust aspect uh, in self and with you as a practitioner to be able to go, you know what, yes, I'd like to give myself that gift. And, of course, I record mine and give it to my clients so that they then have it at home. They can listen to it as often as they like and keep keep working towards creating the change faster. So I, I, um, I love the beauty of hypnosis as a tool for people who choose to um, uh, have that gift for themselves. Mm. That's mm. a nice, uh, nice way of explaining it. As, mm. as you were talking there, I was thinking about, because um, before we went on and started recording the session today, you were talking about success coaching and helping people with their business and helping improve their um, ability to have a really successful business. And there's a lot of people who start a business and it doesn't work. It fails. Yeah. Why do you think there's such a high failure rate? Is it the fact that someone hasn't done enough research into what the market is like? Or do you think it's um, more of an internal thing where they're subconsciously sabotaging what they're doing to fail? Because deep inside, they don't actually want to be successful because there is that sort of life scripting, so to speak so to speak, that maybe through their early childhood, they were told, oh, you're never going to be successful or, or worthy of anything. And then that's a self-fulfilling prophecy when they go out and start these businesses. Or do you think there's other aspects to this as well? Oh, there's, there's a lot of different aspects. My space in, um, in when, when we're talking about like success coaching for people in business, my um, take on that is not about the operational plan, the marketing plan, the financial plan. Can I do those? Yeah, they bore me to tears. I'm not interested in that side of business. That is not my thing where I swim and play. Mine is in the thinking. It's it's your thinking and it's the strength of you. And and where this comes from, Daniel, is um, I read, oh, gosh, it would be more than two decades ago, I was scouring, I'm doing what I'm doing in my little, in those years, um, scouring the secondhand bookshops. I always like see one, I wander in and I go straight to the um, professional development, personal development section. And I'm looking at things and I picked up a John Maxwell book 
and I flipped it open and I read the sentence, leaders develop leaders. And for that moment in my life, that that just resonated with me. And people will take that sentence in any way that they need to apply it to themselves. But for me in that moment, I decided that means a leader, for a leader to develop a leader, I needed to be a leader of self. For me to help people even more, um, a leader is a leader of self. And when you're a leader of self, then you develop other leaders of self. And John Maxwell may have, may have meant leaders develop leaders in title, like, you know, in the role that you're in and everything. But I didn't take it as that. I took it as self-leadership. So for me, when, um, when I have uh, people who do my NLP programs, for example, and I'm, I've had a conversation with them and, for example, I've had um, um, a, a fabulous naturopath who comes to mind uh, she she certified as a, a practitioner of NLP with me and my program, uh, gosh, good 18 months, maybe two years ago now, coming up for. And to this day, because she's been a client of mine, a student of mine, uh, she knows that she can reach out with me and ask me questions any time to help. And we have had some business conversations with things where I've, I've, I've gone, well, have you tried this? Have you done that? Have you done this? But mostly what she found, it was her, her thinking, once she had her thinking into space of, uh, no, I can do this because if I can't, if there's something I come across in a brick wall, there's always a way to get past a brick wall. you just got to find your way or find your way over it, through it, around it, put your hand up and ask for someone who's done it before because, you know, a mentor's been around corners that you've, you're coming up to. But one of the beliefs I, I, um, I help people who are building their business with is what if a challenge turns up in your life because you're capable of dealing with it? How would that change how you perceive that brick wall? Right? What if a challenge turns up in your life because you're capable of dealing with it? Suddenly you look at the brick wall or the roadblock or whatever it is that you thought you couldn't get over as Right. What if it what if it does? What if what if that's true? How do I behave now? Um, what do I see now? What do I speak now? What where do I go looking for solutions now if I believe I'm capable of getting over it? Because challenges never stop in business, they just become better quality challenges, if you like, mm. from year one to year five to year 10 to year 20 and so on. Challenges don't stop just because you've suddenly, you know, got where you wanted to get in business. Mm. There's different challenges. I like to call the word a challenge for a start, not a problem, because, you know, there's a big difference between terming something a problem, power of language, Daniel, for me. It's like the power of language. Mm. Um, If you call it a problem, then, you know, enjoy your problem. But if it's a challenge, it presupposes there's a way through it. Mm. So to your question of, you know, what is it that stops people? Can stories they tell themselves stop themselves? Let's give that a hell yeah because it it can. It absolutely can. The stories that people have from zero to seven, their imprint years, the beliefs keep forming from seven to 14 through role model years, who you're exposed to, could be an older sibling, could be a teacher, could be a whatever. But these beliefs kick in. 
in different aspects of life, how you believe you are with finances, how you believe you are with primary relationship, how you believe you are with love, how you believe you are with your capabilities or who of who you are, your work. And then we move on and we grow up into 14 to 21 years and we're still exposed socially, the groups we hang around with, the people we hang around with. So we're exposed to different beliefs of the people we hang around with. And if we're still children, there might be some other parents, some friends, parents we come across who just through conversation we're exposed to different ways or observation of how they are as parents or how they are as relationship and everything. So we start to form different beliefs. 21 plus, we're exposed again to, through observation, through asking questions, through learning, um, to uh, potentially growing more beliefs based on our career. Who are you exposed to in your career? Mm. Just, you know, when you work and in the dynamics of working, you come across different people who say something, do something. And if it's a belief that resonates with you or it's a belief that's a possibility or in this aspect I've just said the words, what if a challenge turns up because you're capable of dealing with it? Well, if there's a listener here following your podcast because it helps them improve their workspace, their career, excuse me, please, (coughs) then perhaps that's a belief that they'd like to start thinking about. Mm. So they've been exposed to it through their career that there's a different way of thinking. So for me, um, I don't uh, ever do traditional business coaching. Um, For me, I work with people who want to add um, in in, uh, my NLP certification of NLP practitioner and timeline techniques. That's about um, adding a toolbox to your own life set of skills which can ripple out and help your clients because it's a big, wide, deep toolbox and sometimes you put your hand in and, you know, help someone with something and you might think, oh, that's a beauty. You put your hand in and do it again. It slides off like mud thrown on a wall. It didn't work. But the toolbox is wide enough and big enough and deep enough that you've got plenty of tools that if that didn't work, try something else or do something else. So um, that's that part and the private consulting side Um, that pans out sometimes I get business people sometimes I get people with just straight on personal situations that they need uh, to be unstuck with and bless the cotton socks I always acknowledge the brave see a lot of people think they need confidence to do something or go and get help or go and see a uh, gee I'd like to go see a naturopath but I've I feel I want to get a bit more confident first so I can talk to him or her or I'd like to go and see that clinician or that therapist but I need to feel a bit confident first before I go and do it. Well, you know, confidence doesn't turn up in the letterbox. You don't go out to your letterbox and go, brilliant, confidence arrived today. Like it doesn't arrive. Yeah. You earn confidence. It's confidence comes after you've acted. Confidence comes after action. The first thing you need is courage, courage to, you know, courage to take a moment and go, this is worth me gifting myself an opportunity with a professional, whichever direction as a when you're a client that you feel you're drawn to. That's, that's the space, the courage. And if you think 
I don't have courage. Well, remember, your brain's listening. Thank you. I finished with you. I notice I'm getting better at being brave, right? Move your brain bully to brain champion. But everyone has a space of courage. If you can think back to a time in life when you've been brave or courageous, there's something that you'll think about, oh, yeah, I did that once. Well, how did that feel? Oh, yeah, where did I feel brave? How did I know I was brave? Oh, I can do brave. Pick up the phone and make the appointment or reach out on the website and make the appointment with the person that you need to, that you feel you're drawn to. Actually, can I, can I say something, Daniel, about um, some therapists and lack? Please. I, is it okay? Yes. We were talking a little bit about this as well. Yeah, and you and I are quite fascinated with this and where we were talking, and I, I just want to throw that into it. So when people are kind of like, oh, you know, I won't share that or I won't teach that or I won't put that out because, you know, someone else might take that idea and teach it. Well, for heaven's sakes, what are you on this world for? For a start, your purpose and the skill you have has a ripple effect. So for all of the health professionals, allied health professionals out there or, you know, therapists or anyone or parents or which general public, whatever your skill set is, you've got, a, you've got a skill that can make a difference to someone. And the space to be for you to have abundance versus lack, there's your skills, but there's also your thinking. And your thinking must be in abundance. And it should be in abundance and it could be in abundance. You just need to choose it to be in abundance because it's like this. There's enough business out there for everybody. There's enough people in the world to drive and thrive business for everybody in the space of, you know, solo operators of, you know, therapists, clinicians or groups and companies, whatever. There's enough business. The space to think once you've got your skill set in order to have the space to think is there is enough and it's to know who you are and what you stand for. And when you know who you are and what you stand for, then the abundance certainty of self attracts the right people. You're like a magnet. People are drawn to you. And I'm very comfortable that there'll be people in the world who go, uh, not drawn to her. That's absolutely fine. Because in myself, I know that I'm a good person with a good heart and I just go, bless your little cotton socks, you missed out on knowing me, you know. So that's how I handle it. It's just like, oh, good on you. <laughs> However, there's someone that they'll be drawn to who will help them. There'll be someone who's right for them if they're willing to create the change. So the abundance thinking is what's necessary. That's the belief set that who am I, what do I stand for, and behave like that. Because I mentioned before, Daniel, what comes after the words I am is really important. You get people who go, or oh, I am a naturopath or I am a, um, a, a chiropractor or I am a insert whatever after it, you know, <laughs> insert whatever you like after it. I am a GP or I'm a psychologist or I'm a psychiatrist. Well, cheapers, that's a role. That's a vehicle. It's not who you are, who are you? You're more than that. What are the characters? What are the qualities? What are, what's the essence of you? Who are you and what do you stand for? And when you know that and you 
act from that space and not the space of the role, Mm. you will attract the right people like a little magnet will attract bing, bing, ping, like that sort of thing. And then the right people become your greatest advocates because the idea of like a basic customer journey, raise awareness, ignite curiosity, and then they'll say yes, okay, that's basic. But the experience takes them to loyalty and the experience of their loyalty takes them to advocacy. Mm-hmm. So the experience with you takes them to advocacy. And that's when you know that you're acting from your truth, if you like. So for any mm, clinician, therapist, person who's acting from a space of lack, if you can't do it yourself, you better make an appointment with someone to work that out because that needs switching, because that will be one of the handbrakes. When we were talking before, Daniel, about handbrakes of business and the, the roadblocks people come up with, that's going to be one of the handbrakes that will self-sabotage their ability to grow. And these days um, my business is pretty much a lot of referral and wow. it comes because I get the results with people. Mm. But um, but. It, I want to say something on this too. Do I talk too much, Daniel? No, it's fine. I'm in control of what you're saying. Please continue. I want to say something on that. There's a fabulous um, psychologist and a psychotherapist called Dr. Michael Yapko, Y-A-P-K-O. If you go to yapko.com, get onto his newsletter. He's a fabulous genius about, you know, um, some great takes on thinking. And his, his big thing is working with depression and anxiety and stress. And uh, so he works in uh, that space that, you know, there's things that medication can't solve. They can't teach you new ways of thinking. Medication won't teach you a new replacement strategy or behaviour or anything like that. Mm. Yeah. So um, uh, pop onto that and get his newsletter if you, if you choose to. It's very good. So... Where was I going with that? I've lost my train of thought. I went on to Yapco and went to something else. It'll come to me any moment. Now I'll just command my brain. Yeah, it'll come it's back okay. to me. <laughs> I was <laughs> also going to say, do you think that possible the reason why people find things so difficult or so challenging is that they're not following their true passion or where they really want to be? They're actually doing something else because it's safe and it's comfortable. But in reality, they really want to be doing that. And when they come across challenges doing the things that they don't want to do, they seem insurmountable. And then they catastrophize and you go, oh, I can't do this and I don't want to do this. And this, this challenge, which might just be this big in reality, seems this big because they're living incongruently with where they really want to be and what they really want to be doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That can happen. The Look, everybody has their own journey to what's going on in their head and their beliefs and their stories. There's never, it's never a one size fits all as far as beliefs and things go. But what you've just said can certainly happen. The congruence of um, knowing who you are and what you stand for, even some questions from a therapist, you know, for what purpose uh, would, would you like to create this change and what will that give you and what's the intention of that, which are NLP questions. Um, weird language which talks to your unconscious brain versus your conscious 
um, when when you can question yourself and lead yourself or you can question others if you're leading your clients, there's a space where those beliefs are challenged and beliefs are challenged when you decide to up your coach skills for self or others because you can go, uh, look, I come across people who've um, learnt, who've who've gone and, um, you know, become a psychotherapist, for example, uh, same course I've done, or a hypnotherapist, same course I've done, but they've done nothing with it. Mm. And what is it that stopped them? Yes, there's some catastrophizing or there's I can't or there's the roadblock and they can't find their way through the roadblock. And that's really the time to make sure you put your hand up and develop some resilience here and build resilience um, before you need the resilience ideally, but, you know, in the moment of needing it. And so where people put their handbrakes on themselves, if they know who they are and what they stand for and they can identify their purpose, then the big new thing that they want to go and do, let's get really clear, it's not who you are and everything, it's a vehicle for you to help achieve your purpose. So let's say somebody's in a nine-to-five job and they really want to go and start their clinical practice in a specific skill that they particularly have, regardless of what it is, but it lights them up and they really want to make a difference with it. So my question is, for what purpose would you love to have that clinic and what will that give you? What's the intention of that? And I would like to light that person up with recognising there's an ultimate bigger purpose. Mm. And the vehicles they've used so far in life have met that purpose at a certain level, but there's a point where you outgrow your vehicle and you know that you're ready for a bigger vehicle. And it happens um, very often in life where people will compromise themselves and never fulfil that burning little pilot flame that's burning in their heart. They never let it foof into a great big roaring flame. Mm. And at some level that's a little sad in my eyes. It may not be in others, but I, but I know that when they've got that skill set in order to have that practice that they really wanted to set up or that thing that they wanted to do, then it's the B, it's the beliefs and which are driving their behaviour that's stopping them from doing the skill set they've got. So I need to work back here at the belief and the behaviour part to help that person embrace, you know, the great qualities, the goodness of who they are so that they can start managing the brain bully differently amongst other things and learn how to manage that thought process. So can I talk about fear in this? Is that okay? Absolutely. So for some people, fear, fear is and they don't even language it as fear. But for some people, there's a fear quietly bubbling away, which stops them from going into like um, um, uh, dropping that nine to five job or, or transitioning from that nine to five job and starting. So you can have both going at once mm. and transitioning, for example, into something that their hearts desire. They just know it will light them up, but the fear stops. So if we look at fear and pull back the lens on behaviour from a fear point of view, sometimes I'll look at what's going on for this person and I'll 
simply ask them, um, well, actually, I'll, I'll educate. I'll say, I once learned there are, you know, three types of fear, not being loved, not being enough and being caught out. And you think about it, any fear that we have ever done in our life could kind of fit under one of those little umbrellas, mm. not being enough, not being loved, being caught out. And, you know, which just to identify which fear do you think you're doing is sometimes the enough of the awareness to start creating a little bit of movement because let's say somebody responds with, oh, I don't think I'm enough. You know, so I'm sticking in this nine to five job that's killing me, like mm. sapping my soul, even though at the time, for a period of time there, I loved it, but I really want to go in this direction. I don't think I'm enough. And my question to you, if that's once you recognize one of the fears, is who taught you that? Hmm. Because you're not born with that's that right. fear, it's a learned behavior. And like I said earlier, I'm not taking people to the past to live in the past. I'm looking for an acknowledgement of, oh, my gosh, what if that's a three-year-old or a five-year-old belief that you got from someone else mm. that's been picked up and dropped into the decades of life and here you are as a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old person wanting to have a career direction change that lights you up? But the self-sabotage is the unspoken fear that you didn't realise wasn't even yours in the first place. So how would you handle that? Well, there's a myriad of ways. There's a, I've got a toolbox of ways to teach people how to handle that. But that, the one simple one that I gave earlier, when I feel myself reacting like that, what's going on, what's stopping me? Oh, there's that little fear thing before. That's a learned behaviour. Thank you. I finished with you. I noticed today... I'm getting better at, which is your sentence to give you some time to think about, finding my way through. Language, language like you want it and start moving in that direction. So the stories, the self-sabotage, the catastrophizing of things, this may be related to a fear. I don't know. I don't know. But you will know. The listener, you will know once you actually have awareness that fears exist and that fears, I'm not talking about fears like if a robber comes in your house and you, you know, and you, you and your kids are threatened and you, you know, hot damn be scared, be mm. damn scared, like, you know, let the adrenaline pump in and everything. Mm. I'm talking about the imagined fear, which yeah. is, le is learned. And sadly, until we are actually educated in this, and this, and if there's any, um, therapists and clinicians who or, or potential therapists and clinicians who are about to start their business and wanting to, to um, work with this, then whatever the skill set that you're educating people in, the support set that's great for you to have for self and others is to actually know how to work on beliefs and know how to work on behaviour. It's, it's very important because at some level your greatest weakness as a therapist, as a clinician or whatever it is you want to go and do, your greatest weakness is your greatest asset. If your greatest weakness is I stop myself, right, because I, I tell myself X, well, hello, let's hold a mirror up. 
aren't you going to get those clients and be able to show their way through once you know how to show your way through? I stopped myself from taking that course of um, nutrition that my naturopath gave me. Uh, That's what the client's going to be doing, whereas it had nothing to do with you. You believe in nutrition and you're going to do it, but you stopped yourself from doing an aspect of business that got yourself out there to create the clients and do. So shining the mirror up, your greatest weakness could be your greatest asset when you look at it and go, when I find my way through, that's the people who are going to be attracted to me and want to be able to find their way through that. That's not going to be a problem with my clients because I've found the behaviour, the belief conversations that I need to have to drive the thing that I need them to do in order to have. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm yeah. glad you I'm glad you went down that track because I think it will be very uh, useful information for people to hear yeah. that. And it was something yeah. that I wanted to ask you anyway. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> oh nice. Oh yeah. I'm I'm just kind of like, you know, wandering around, having a little conversation with you, Daniel. It's very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really good. Um I was also gonna say that um you do coaching and you do training, and you do consulting for clients and people. So are you able to talk a little bit about that? Say there was someone who was listening who wanted to learn NLP, for example. Can you yeah. talk about the courses and training that you offer and what people can expect and how they can actually uh, come and learn underneath you? Oh, thank you, Daniel. I'd love to. So, um, and thank you very much because it's my It's my, uh, one of my great loves is educating someone else who goes and makes the ripple effect because they Mm. know this. And for some people, it might be, you know, they might just want to have better relationships in their own family or in their own close knit. And they just, that's all they come for. Mm. But that's the ripple effect they'll create. And for others, it's for business. For others, it's for clients. So um, for myself, it was COVID that transitioned me to go online with NLP because of the aspect of suddenly not going out and speaking, um, you know, in public to people. Uh, COVID had us in lockdown here in Australia, so in in certain aspects. So um, I picked up my NLP four-day live training NLP core skills and I picked up my seven-day NLP practitioner certification. And I transitioned every single thing I teach into a little online, accessible, self-paced mini video lesson. But it's more than that. There's a little seven-week course which people can access, which is um, for seven weeks, about half an hour of lessons will drop each week. You know, week one's ready, week two's ready, week three. They meet me at the beginning at week one in this seven-week course. They the videos and the lessons are all dropped we have a conversation at the beginning and we have a conversation at week seven and I make sure that you know what gelled what didn't how you're going to apply it I help like that so there's a conversation with me at bookends the seven week course it's a mini course and inside that you get around 20 skills and techniques that you use for yourself but you oh actually there's a bit more than 20 might be about 35 I've lost count I'll have to think about that but yeah somewhere between 20 and 35 <laughs> in the seven weeks that are now in your toolbox for life skills, for thinking skills, for teaching skills if you want to teach it. And they can become a, a 
they can become so much more than you'd ever imagined once you actually open your eyes to this is my toolbox of thinking skills, mindset and motivation. Motivation, that's seven weeks. Um, if you choose to learn NLP in a bigger way uh, and you, you're kind of curious about really having a bigger, wider, deeper toolbox, then uh, my NLP core skills is also online. But that is a little bit different in that you get access to me every week. So each Tuesday, 9.30 in the morning, Queensland time, Australia, 7.30 at night, Queensland time, Australia, which seems to work worldwide. Someone can tap in from their own um, space. I'm on Zoom live for a live Q&A. So people who learn NLP with me have access to me every week, also access to ask me questions if you don't have to wait for a Tuesday. But just so happens that every Tuesday I turn up and, you know, People pop in and say, okay, this is happening with my client. I've done this, this, and this. And with great respect and care in the world of duty of care and confidentiality, we're not talking details of a client. We're talking about the problem space we need to fix in as much as find the therapist or the technician or the clinician needs to find a, a conversation that, or a, a technique or a strategy that shifts the thinking so that the person gets their momentum. So, um, uh, for example, I have some naturopaths who pop in. I have, you know, different walks of life I mentioned earlier. But uh, I had a conversation with a, a naturopath uh, a few weeks ago who had learned with me a long time ago and she popped up and said, oh, Bev, I've got a question. This is happening with a client. I've done this, I've done this, da-da-da, and I've gone, yes, and great, and remember, da-da-da-da-da, and She's gone, oh, of course, yes, yes, thanks very much. So it was maybe a 10-minute conversation and she was fine. But I'm there for an hour for all group discussions or all things NLP because to me I don't want you to just learn something and then park it. If you're going to work with me, I believe that you're coming for something and I want you to use it. So I want to be able to simplify it to the point that you can use this skill set because when you use it for self, um, it opens up your potential of who you are and what you can do in the ripple effect. And then when you use it for others, um, you're going to make a very profound effect on your clients and those clients become your greatest advocates to build your business. It's a good, beautiful cycle, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the NLP course skills, that goes for, you know, if you've got half an hour to an hour of me time that you choose to gift yourself each each week, then you're going to find over a good 24, 28 weeks, you're going to get all that. Then if you choose to be certified as a practitioner of NLP or a practitioner of timeline techniques, I do two certifications on that one, um, you can come live with me seven days and I do that about twice a year, sometimes three times a year pre-COVID, but lately coming out of COVID twice a year. Um, seven days, you get you pay for your own travel and accommodation, and I'll teach you in the room with the you pay you've paid for the course, of course. But you know, you look after your own travel and accommodation to be here, and I will certify you in the room. And yes, I'm repeating some of the well, I am repeating the online lessons that you've had in the core skills, but I'm speaking them in such a different way, making them very applicable to you and what's important, and this is how you use it. And the light bulbs go off on my online course and my Tuesday conversations and they go off again in another level 
when we speak live together in our in the room together. So short seven-week course, bigger 24-week course um, at your own pace in your own home and a seven-day live course. And if you're doing my seven-day live course, I give you access to my 24-week online course as, as just a bonus. Yeah. Brilliant. So, yeah, it's just and it's not extra. It's there and you've got access to me while you're learning it before we meet live together. So, yeah, so I love it. I, I just love um, that, you know, any human being walking around, if you've got a skill, how dare you keep it to yourself? Come on, folks. <laughs> There's people who need to, if you know stuff or you can do stuff or you've got a skill that you can make a difference to another person being, well, what are we on the earth for? Come on, folks. Let's spread that humanity mm. that, you know, with the integrity of who you are and what you stand for mm. and um, you'll find your right clients. The people will come to you because they, they're drawn to you because mm. of your certainty about yourself. Yeah, that's what they're really drawn to. That's mm. brilliantly said. Yeah, thank you. And mm. for people who want to find out about those courses or utilise your services, is it the best website to go is BU Success Coaching? Yes, at www.be. Y-O-U, here comes my big four words, <laughs> successcoaching.com.au. Uh, you can email me, Bev, at busuccesscoaching.com.au. And the um, on, on my website, there's a work with me space where you can make an appointment with me to have a conversation about NLP. You can have an appointment. You can just compare your calendar to mine and have that. But if you do go to my website, folks, there's a free 45-minute session where I teach three techniques to stop the procrastination, to quit the overwhelm, to ditch that negative self-talk. And if you'd like to do that, it goes for about 45, 50 minutes. Please watch it from beginning to end because I, if I say so myself, sometimes I just drop some really gems of gold in the conversation <laughs> <laughs> and I just want you to get it. Right, so if you'd like to watch that, that's that's something you can share with anyone. You might watch it for yourself and think, "Gosh, I need to give that to my that link to my sister to go watch." And you can you can watch it as many times as you like. I recorded it live, and then I've put it on demand on my um, on my um, uh, website so that you can register for the time you can pick a time that you want it it has been recorded live with a lot of people attending so you'll see me talking to people and and you know thanking people and um having a conversation when comments are coming through but that it's been recorded live with people um uh, during covid actually so you'll see me you know just backed up against a little wall talking and drawing things <laughs> so right at the beginning of COVID. And I did that right at the beginning of COVID because people were just losing their losing their thing, yeah. you know. They were just some people weren't, but some people who were real connection energies, they were just losing the plot. Mm. And I thought, my goodness me, we just got to stop this overwhelm and this self-talk stuff. And so I, I just started going out doing live free Every week I was doing a live and because people were coming, people were coming, people were coming, I thought on, I'll just record it once now on the next one and then I'll, I'll put it up for everybody because I, I did it for a few, quite a few months, about six months. I was just live every week and I had strangers, people from all around the place coming in and I've never necessarily seen them again. 
but I trust that they picked up a gem of wisdom that's added value to their life or to someone that they care about when they behave in that way. That's mm. awesome. I didn't realize yeah. you had that available, so I'm going to go and have a look at it. Thank yes, please you know. please do. Yeah, so it's a little 45, 50-minute um, free thing. It's, um, it's, it's there on the website. So on the front page of my website, it says click here for your free session. It takes you to a page where you can register, pick your time, uh, and that you'd like to go to, then be there and pop up and turn up. Yes, you'll get some emails from me reminding you to turn up. Yes, you'll get some emails from me going, did you enjoy it? Are you, you know, that sort of thing. Of course you're going to. Um, but this is uh, whether or not we have a relationship in the future or not. Um, from my point of view, I have gifted you three techniques to any listener who, who chooses to go and do this, three techniques that are, positively life enhancing should you choose to use it and that could be something that you pass on for yourself or you pass on to someone that you love and if it's a child that you teach one day please do because our next generation coming up um, well that's another conversation for another time but boy oh boy have I got some big plans (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a ripple effect isn't it you pass those skills on and then you help one person who helps five people who helps 25 people and it just starts to spread so it so is great way to help so many people yeah bev Mm -hmm. thank you for coming on and speaking to me today i really appreciate your time and all of your wonderful expertise and i love that you gave some practical examples as well for people that they can take away so it yeah means a lot and i'm really grateful that you're able to come and speak to my audience thank you oh daniel thank you for the invitation and it's an absolute honor And uh, thank you for what you do because the fact that you have this platform to gather um, people's, um, you know, people from all walks of life to add value to your listeners, then, you know, it's about basically it's about critical thinking. It's not about being a believer. It's about listening to any podcast that you have and deciding how does that work in my life and is, you know, from a critical thinking lens, can this be of value to me? versus just listening to someone and going, oh, I'm a believer. Uh, You know, do we want critical thinkers or we want believers? We want critical thinkers. So the conversations that I've listened to in the podcast prior to me being here, they've been absolutely fabulous. They've had me thinking in all sorts of ways. My little brain's popped off in all sorts of different ways. And I love that, that you have that platform. Daniel, thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate your kind words. And... Yeah, I'm uh, really looking forward to going and checking out the content you've got on your website. Um, I think NLP sounds like it might be a really good combination with what I'm doing with the hypnotherapy side of things. Mm. Um, And yeah, tying that into everything else that I'm doing with nutrition and the naturopathy and things like that. So yes, Mm. I think this is something that I'm going to explore a little bit more deeply. So wonderful. thank you for for, um, enlightening me and exposing me to this uh, this information. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for the invitation and um, wishing you and all your listeners a fabulous, fabulous experience. Be awesome, be wonderful, and always remember, be you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. The ideas discussed on this podcast do not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com forward slash podcast and join the discussion. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Until next time.